I want to just do a, a quick little survey. How many of you, just by a raise of hands, would say that you are in favor and you like going to any form of amusement parks, uh, whether they be the big ones or just the small ones? How many of you? More over here, I'm seeing only a few, okay? So I would say half maybe is what I saw and half or not. For those of you that that's raised your hand, I'm assuming that you like adrenaline. Is that, you know, the basic concept? No? No, of course not. Um, and then those that didn't raise their hand, someone tell me in the, in the negative category, why don't you go to amusement parks? Boring. It's boring. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you're standing in line for two hours for one ride, it is boring. You're right. Yeah. Any other reasons why you don't want to go to those amusement parks? What? High price, yeah, absolutely. And scared, there you go, you're scared. And, and all those things are absolutely valid. And uh, I love amusement parks and I love the rides, but I feel like sometimes I have paid for it. And once you get on a ride, you can't get off, right? And, and so if the ride is, uh, you know, extra scary, um, it just reminds me, you know, you think about especially certain rides, roller coasters and other types of rides, uh, the, the, they physically illustrate something that all of us go through in life. Uncertainties, fears, ups and downs, um, the unexpected turn, the drop-off where you don't see anything at all except air, and it does give you that sensation of falling, um, and even getting slapped around. Some of those old roller coasters uh, that don't really have, uh, you know, you're not really... Uh, contained and you're, you're just being slapped from side to side in the old wooden cart and you feel like you literally will fall out if you're not holding on for dear life. Um, those, are, those are fun, but man, it really reminds me of the way we go through life. Life can be like that. And I don't know about you, but to me, life is filled with ups and downs, filled with challenges and unexpected turns and twists and and absolute difficulties. Yes, amusement parks and life can be enjoyable and entertaining. And it's sort of like the song that we sang uh, to begin with today, Blessed Be Your Name. And we talked about when the sun is shining down on me and the world is all as it should be, we honor the Lord and we say, Blessed Be Your Name. And the same is true when we're in the valleys and the difficult, dark moments of life. Life can bring not only enjoyment, but it also can bring danger even despair. And so I want to consider that subject as we approach this, this command, this exhortation to pray today. And how do we pray and how, do we, how are we exhorted to pray in the midst of a life that is like a roller coaster that does bring a lot of ups and downs? Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. You remember a number of months ago when we were back in chapter 4, Paul described our life at times being like we are tossed back and forth by the waves of life. And Paul instructed the Ephesians and us to no longer be children that are tossed to and fro by the waves of life. We're better than that. God created us for... Uh, purpose and, and focus and not being tossed back and forth by the circumstances that come our way or the belief systems that may go contrary to the Word of God. 
The reality is, life reminds us as if we really need reminding that life can be overwhelming and suck us dry at times. And we battle daily with the world and the flesh and the devil, don't we? We struggle with it. We're tempted. We're weighed down. We're, when will this ever end type of feeling, depending on what's going on in our life. We've been studying on the armor of God here in verses 13 through 18. And this has been our context over the past number of months and God's call upon our life to put on all of His armor if we're going to have victory in the battle. And so I want our minds to once again go to this concept of that we are in a spiritual war. And because we are in a spiritual war, war brings a number of factors. And we've talked about the, the different weapons and the armor pieces that we are to put on and use and so on and so forth. And then we come to verse 18 and there's another aspect to the spiritual war. In war, we all know this, that communication is absolutely essential to victory. If you're not communicating with your commanding officer, you have a great disadvantage, don't you? And a very high probability that you will enter and experience mortal danger at one time or another because the communica communication piece is not in place. That is what we experience spiritually in spiritual war. The spiritual battle without prayer, defeat is a certainty. And I want us to understand that so we can buy into and obey what the Lord is calling each believer to do here in verse 18. So if you are there in Ephesians 6, I just want to read verse 18, and I think we've understood the context of this, and then we'll pray as we consider the instruction of prayer. Look at verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Well, let's just do that. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you as we look into your word. We pray that you would direct our time, direct our conversation. I pray that you would instruct us on this subject of prayer and that it wouldn't just simply be informative. We do ask for that. Lord, help it to be true and accurate. And that you would just have the freedom to work in our own hearts to inform us. But Lord, take it deeper. Allow the facts to trickle down to our heart. And that we would apply these truths to our life. Lord, that we would be in, in better communication with you. And that as a result that we would see victories occurring more and more in our life because we are talking with you, we're listening to you, and we are ultimately depending on you day by day. And so we commit this rest of this time for your glory and honor. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to get rid of the annoyance in the room. All right, so we jump into some notes there. You'll see some notes there in your bulletin that we can uh, pay attention to and sort of see where we're tracking, write down some thoughts that you want to write down. But I want us to connect to this one main theme today as we get started, that in the dark moments of life, don't despair. 
Don't despair when you go through the dark moments of life, and maybe you're in one right now. But instead, cling to the Lord, the Lord of light, who to bring you to the other side. No matter what you're going through, even if it is a dark moment, cling to the Lord. He's going to bring you to the other side. Look to Him. Let His light shine brighter, even in those dark moments. And so today I want us to just be challenged as we think about prayer. To me, as I was studying through this, one of the things that very clearly jumped out to me is that to win the spiritual battles of life, what we see here in verse 18 is not to give up, but to get on our knees and look up. Don't give up, but look up. It is so tempting to give up when day after day there is a relentless pressure and a beating and a pounding and the enemy is so strong. And at times there is that sense, humanly, to give up. And I pray that we would instead not despair, but turn our eyes and look up. Look to the Lord. And I think prayer reminds us of that very thing that we need to humble ourselves and say, I don't have the answers, I don't have the solutions, but God, I know that you do and I trust that you are in control and that if nothing else, I am communicating utter dependence on you. Don't give up. If there's nothing else that you take away today, Walk out of here encouraged and say, Lord, by your strength and with your grace, I don't want to give up. I want to just keep looking up. Well, how do we look up? How do we not give up but look up? Well, there's a number of things that I want to cover uh, in this verse that will help us. First of all, as we pray in the battle, we won't give up, but we will look up. As we pray in the battle, and I just want to engage this subject because we are in a battle and we must be people of prayer. Not prayer before the battle, yes, that's true. Not prayer after the battle, yes, that's also true. But during the battle, in the heat of the moment, are we calling on the name of the Lord? Are we asking Him? And some of you may be saying, well, that's the only time I pray. Okay, well, that's, hey, at least that's, there's, there's some point there. But we should be praying at all times. We'll talk about that in a moment. But we must be at prayer and engaging and looking to the Lord in the battle. Why? Because life is hard. Life is difficult. If you would, would you take your Bibles and go back a couple books from Ephesians to 2 Corinthians? I want you to notice just a powerful passage in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. I want you to look at verses 8 through 11. Paul gives a recounting of some of the things that he and his co-workers went through in ministry. Spiritual battles and ministry in any form, there is a warfare. We all know that. And Paul gives a little bit of a, a recounting of the warfare that they were in and the physical things and the emotional things and the spiritual things that they went through as a result of this spiritual battle. So 2 Corinthians 1, notice what he says starting in verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. And so he's referring to uh, one of his, their mi missionary journeys, and you can read the accountings of that in Acts if you would like to go there on your own. He says this, We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, 
and we thought we would never live through it. The New American Standard says in that verse that we despaired even of life. Verse 9, in fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And He did rescue us from mortal danger, and He will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence... Sorry. We have placed our confidence in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. And so Paul acknowledges how important prayer was and is in their continuing service of God. But he didn't pull any punches, did he? He articulated very clearly that they struggled and there was great trouble and great heartache and great difficulty to the point that they despaired even of life. And in those moments of despair and trouble and being crushed and overwhelmed, what is your response? And can I just say, you already know what your response should be. You must get on your knees and cry out to God. Not just one time, but all the time. And what's the result? Paul said there in, in, in a portion, I think it was in verse 9, that as a result of them crying out to God, even in this moment of despair, Paul says that we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. And that's not easy to articulate. It's not easy to accept that God allows us to go through really difficult, heart-rendering, get our heart sort of knocked out of ourselves moments in life. Why? So that we will learn to depend not on ourselves, but God. You see, God in His love knows how important that is to stop depending on ourselves, but to depend on Him. Spiritual battles must be fought with spiritual weapons. Stop depending on yourself and depend on me, God says. So in spiritual warfare, why are we fighting a spiritual battle with physical means? Why are we responding in a physically fleshly way when it has to be with spiritual weapons? And what is the spiritual weapon in this context? Prayer. Paul articulated it there in verse 11. And so as you go back to Ephesians 6 and verse 18, in the context of the armor of God and putting on all these pieces to protect us and the sword of the Spirit, uh, which is the Word of God, and then praying in the Spirit. Prayer is absolutely a weapon, the most powerful weapon along with the Word of God that we can have. We must be fighting with spiritual weapons. A couple quotes about prayer. Um, if you ever find any books by E.M. Bounds, last name Bounds, great author uh, on prayer. And this is some of the things that he said. Prayer is the language of need. Prayer is the language of need. It is the voice of a beggar conscious of his poverty. That's what prayer is. It's acknowledging that we are poor spiritually and we are in great need of God to intervene. The opposite of that, he said, prayerlessness is an independence of God. 
a self-sufficiency, declaring to God that we don't need Him. And maybe that's where we're at today. You can look at your own life and you can say, yeah, I don't, I don't really take a lot of time to talk to God in prayer and I don't, my prayer life really isn't uh, something that I would like to share with everybody because I'm embarrassed about how much I don't pray. But prayerlessness is really communicating an independence and a self-sufficiency. And today I want us to be encouraged that if we're going to have victory in our spiritual lives, we must be praying in the battle. The reality is we are in desperate need of God. Prayer is the only path that leads to victory. And so in the battle, don't give up, but look up. But we don't give up. We must look up, but not only as we pray in the battle, but as we pray in the Spirit. And so look there at verse 18, and we see a very clear laying out of instructions on how we are to pray. And so Paul addresses, depending on your version, uh, the order of these might be different because of the way the different translations translate it. But in my version, it starts out by praying in the Spirit. And so here's the instruction. As we're in the battle praying, we must pray in the Spirit. What does it look like to pray in the Spirit? Depending on how you were raised and your church background, you could have different definitions for sure. But let me just articulate what I believe that that it very simply means, first of all, we pray in the Spirit as we are walking in the Spirit. In other words, we're controlled by the Spirit of God. We're not controlled by our flesh. We, we, we have dealt with unconfessed sin and we've confessed it to the Lord. Galatians 5.16 reminds us of this, to walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh or carry out the desires of the flesh. So if I am to pray in the Spirit, I must be walking with the Spirit of God. No sin between me and the Lord. Ephesians, I'll say, I'm going to bring that up later. Ephesians is later. Um, not only are we to walk in the Spirit, but we are to be led by the Spirit. And so if I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm walking with Him, but I'm also being sensitive and allowing Him to lead me and direct my steps. Uh, one of the passages that I think is so helpful to remind us of this is Romans 8, 26 and 27. And it says this, the Spirit helps and prays for us and pleads for us in harmony with God's own will. And so as we're praying in the Spirit, it's not only that we're walking in the Spirit, but we're allowing the Spirit of God to lead us. So much so that He is praying for us. Who better knows what needs to happen in our life other than God? And why are we not asking the Spirit of God according to Romans 8, to pray for us and to, as it says, pray according to God's own will. Sometimes we don't know what God's will is. And so, Lord, I don't even have the words to say. I don't even know what to, to say in this situation. Would you pray for me? Would you pray that God's will would be done in this specific instance? And so praying in the Spirit has to do with walking in the Spirit, has to do with being led by the Spirit and really a submission to the Spirit of God in our hearts and life. And then also along with that, allowing, uh, making sure that there's no unconfessed sin. So getting rid of the sin in our life that would hinder our prayer life. Ephesians 4.30, you just go back a, a page from where you're at there in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. And so if there's, if there's sin in our life, that brings sorrow to God's Spirit, and then it hinders us from praying in the Spirit. 1 Peter 3, 7, men, 
This is an instruction for you, uh, how you treat your wives. And if you're not treating your wives with love and respect and, and treating her as, the, as a delicate, uh, beautiful uh, person that she is, uh, Peter says that your prayers will be hindered. And so if we cannot pray in the Spirit, if we're, as men, treating our wives in a, in a jerky way, right? That's, is that a word, jerky? Not the kind you eat? Okay, praying in the Spirit means that I am living in a way that honors the Lord. And so when I approach the Lord, there isn't anything that hinders my prayer life. Okay, uh, Psalm 66, 18, you can write this down and look at it later. I'll read it to you. David said, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And there's a very clear principle throughout God's Word, including that verse, that unconfessed sin hinders our prayer life. And so, if we're going to pray in the Spirit, deal with sin in our life. Confess it. And so, we pray in the battle, we pray in the Spirit, and as we continue to not give up but to look up, we do that, as it says here in verse 18 again, that we pray in all circumstances. So pray in the battle, pray in the Spirit, and pray in all circumstances. Notice this in verse 18. Pray at all times and on every occasion. Now, I'm not going to do any surveys, but when do you find yourself praying more often than not? Maybe at certain times of day. Maybe it's before bed. Uh, maybe it's before a meal. Maybe it's the first thing when you wake up in the morning. Well, Paul's instruction here is to pray in all circumstances, at all times, on every occasion. Not just uh, the big occasions, the monumental events in life, but the small occasions, the insignificant things of life that you think, oh, I don't need to pray. That's just a normal thing. No, Paul says pray at all times. Why do you think God said this? Why do you think this was the Holy Spirit's instruction to pray at all times and on every occasion? Let me illustrate it by uh, something that, men, we need to be reminded of. Coming up next week at some point, um, Valentine's Day is coming up. Is that right? All right. And so, husbands, uh, this is your opportunity to communicate your undying love for your wife, right? Um, but... I hope that Valentine's Day is not the only time that we take advantage and communicate our love for our wife, right? Um, Anika, you don't testify about this right now, okay? I, don't, I, hope, I hope she would say what would make me feel good, but I, maybe, maybe I need to work on this. This is the point. If I'm not communicating and having connection and having good conversation more than just on Valentine's Day when we go out on a date and we have quality conversation and I give her a, a nice gift or whatever it is or give her flowers. And so that's the only time that I'm communicating my love for her? Of course not. And so the same way spiritually, it shouldn't be just on the big moments of life or, or one time a year that we engage the Lord and we, and we talk to Him, but we pray at all times on every occasion, whether they're big moments or small. Prayer simply isn't an email or a text to inform or ask. It's an ongoing development of intimacy and trust with our Creator. And so the communication needs to be constant in all 
circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul simply said this to the Thessalonians, to pray continually or pray without ceasing. And some of us get hung up on this. How in the world can I pray without ceasing? Well, it's simply this, that we have an open dialogue with God. We're talking about and talking to Him all the time. And so it isn't a matter of, well, I have to go to a certain place, like come into the doors of a church before I pray. It isn't that uh, only before bed, as I kneel uh, beside my bed, that's when I can pray. It isn't about a time or a place. It is about open, always talking with my Lord. So we pursue this ongoing conversation, praying in all circumstances. Fourthly, we don't give up, but we look up because we must pray with variety. It says there in verse 18, with all kinds of prayers and requests. So it's not just at all times, but with all kinds of prayers and requests. So we need to do this. We need to pursue a prayer life that isn't uh, filled with just ruts. Okay? How many of us get caught up in saying the same things in the same way, in the same tone, at the same time, and that's the way we pray. Uh, some of us do recognize when, when someone, certain people do pray, we know, oh, that's so-and-so. They pray a certain way, right? They have certain words. They have a certain tone, a certain posture. And I, there is nothing wrong with that. But I, I do find it encouraging that, that the Lord says we should pray with all kinds of prayers and requests at different places, at different times, maybe by yourself at times, sometimes with others. Keep it fresh. Keep it organic and, and natural and real, not just something that is almost memorized. Is there anything with praying prayers that are memorized? Absolutely not. But I would encourage you, according to this verse, that those prayers that may be memorized or that we say often should not be the only prayers that we pray, right? We can pray the Lord's Prayer, and we should. But I, I hope that that's not the only prayer that you pray. Pray with variety. Let me just say it this way. Uh, what's the one common denominator about all of your prayers? What's the one thing that is always a part of your prayers? Yeah, you. Our prayers almost always surround ourselves, our circle, our world. The common theme is me. And so if we can get beyond that and think about others and the body of Christ as a whole, have a conversation with someone after church and say, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Do you have anything that I can, can talk to the Lord about on your behalf? We need to pursue also a balance between sharing physical needs and spiritual needs. And some of you have noticed this. How many times when we're sharing prayer requests, I mean, I'm writing this list down, and I would say 75 to 85% of the list is physical needs. There's nothing wrong with that. Share your physical needs. But it's much more challenging for us to share spiritual needs, isn't it? Are we praying for our brothers and sisters' spiritual health or well-being? Are we praying for those that have yet to come to faith in Christ and praying for their salvation or or someone that has walked away from the Lord and we're praying that the Lord would change their heart and turn them back around. And see, this is all in this concept of variety of prayers. Just a simple way, if you struggle with your prayer life, 
and you don't know how to go about it and to make it more fresh and with variety, I just want you to write down the word Acts, A-C-T-S, just like the book of the apostles there, the Acts, A-C-T-S. And what does that remind you of? It's an acronym, and it simply is this. As we approach God in prayer, first of all, adoration. A is for adoration, so it's about the Lord. It's about worshiping Him and acknowledging who He is and all that He has done. Secondly, it's confession. C is for confession, that we get our hearts right with the Lord and we examine our hearts and we ask God to reveal sin and so that we can confess it. Thirdly, it's thanksgiving and, and every part of our prayer life should be about gratitude towards God. And so adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then the last one is supplication. We don't use that term too much today, but it simply means actually giving requests and supplicating or communicating our actual request to the Lord. So the last one is where we actually request. The first three are praise and confession and being thankful. And that's a good strategy of our prayer life to keep it fresh and with variety. Philippians 4, 6, Paul gives us this instruction about prayer. He says, don't worry about anything, but instead by prayer, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. That's what we should have our prayer life look like? Well, a few more things. If we're going to not give up, but instead look up, then we need to pray with persistence. Pray with persistence. Stay alert. Notice what it says there in verse 18. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Here's the exhortation. The exhortation that is the title of the message, not to give up. Don't give up persevere in prayer. And that is the only way that we're not going to give up in life. No matter what roller coasters and amusement, tar- uh, amusement park type rides we are on in our life, if we're not going to give up, it is because we remain persistent, we stay alert and focused, and our eyes are open, and we're consistent, and we persist or persevere in prayer. Some of us are in spiritual battles, and you're very aware of it, right? Others of you are in spiritual battles, and you may not necessarily be aware of it. But let me just say this, and I think there's evidence in Scripture to back this up. Breaking down spiritual strongholds in our life will often take time and persistence. We are in a war, and because we're in a war, don't fire just one shot at the enemy and call it good, like that balloon that got shot down yesterday. One shot, right? That's not the way war works. We have to be persistent. We have to continue to cry out and ask God and keep working to to break down and to win the spiritual battles that we are in. But a lot of times I think we we do a one-shot, oh God, you know it all, I commit everything to you, amen. Right? Covers it all. And then we go about our day, and, and that's, that is not how God wants us to pray. We pray in faith, believing and trusting that God will perform amazing miracles and answer our requests according to His will. So we stay alert, we stay focused on Him, and we pray with persistence, and we continue to approach His throne and ask Him to do a work. Jesus gave us instructions about this. In Matthew 7, in verse 7, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, 
and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. And some examples that he gave was just that we do it persistently. And if we continue to persist, then he will respond. And so we keep asking, and we keep seeking, and we keep knocking, and waiting for God's reply. And remember, God doesn't always reply the way that we want. But if there's, if there's nothing hindering our prayer life, He is going to answer. He may say no. He may say yes. He may say wait. But He will ultimately reply. Jesus said this in John 16, 23. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He will give it to you. And I think that is an absolute promise for you and me today. When it comes to our prayer life, and when it comes to victory in our, in our, our spiritual battles that we face, the reason that we don't give up because of the promises of God. Jesus said, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He will give it to you. Now, some, of, some people take that verse and they use it in a way that promotes a health and wealth type of gospel. And there is so many other passages that contradict that, that wrong theology. And that is, I do not believe that that verse is teaching a health and wealth gospel. It is simply understanding what prayer really is and how it is effective. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son. And that as we pray to the Father and ask for anything in Jesus' name, the promise is that He will give it. Why? Because if I'm asking for something in the name of Jesus, what I'm saying is, Father, I come to you and I'm asking in Jesus' name and with the authority of Jesus and with the will of Jesus, in Jesus' name, I mean, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It is about what Jesus wants. And so we're communicating a, a humility and a humbling uh, aspect that it's God's will that we want ultimately. So it isn't like, Oh, man, that, my neighbor just got a brand new Ferrari, and that looks really cool. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give me a Ferrari. Right? Is that, is that what that verse is saying? No, because we're asking the Father for anything. The Ferrari might be included, but maybe not, because it's in Jesus' name, and it's with His authority, it's with His will, it's about Him and not me. It's for His glory, not my own. And so we have to keep that in mind. But it is a, it a great verse of, of comfort and a motivator to actually get on our knees and pray because God help us to pray in Jesus' name by His will for His glory. And I'm going to ask that God would do great and mighty things because He's promised to do that if I pray according to His will that Jesus' name would be honored. And so we pray with persistence. Lastly, we don't give up, but we look up as we pray, as it says there at the end of verse 18, we pray for all believers everywhere. Isn't it comforting to know as we sit around here, we're part of the family of God. We're one body. We have a common cause. Amen. We have a common cause. We have a common goal. We have a common focus, and we have a common future. 
When we see or hear our brothers and sisters struggling, do we hold them up in prayer? And I'm so encouraged by different folks in our congregation being burdened by the Lord to pray for not only brothers and sisters in this community, but brothers and sisters around the world that are struggling, that are persecuted, that are losing their lives for their testimony of faith in Christ. Are we praying for our brothers and sisters around the world? We are part of the family of God. And so we need to lift up, as Paul says, we pray for all believers, all brothers and sisters, everywhere, wherever they're located. Let me just say this. If you see one of your family members being physically assaulted, we see those stinking awful videos um, going around on the news and on social media of it's usually younger, younger people beating up on other individuals and the assaults that occur. If we are to see one of our family members being physically assaulted, would we stand by and watch and video it? Would we turn and walk away and do nothing? Or would we run as fast as we could and intervene and try and stop what was going on? Would we not? And that is exactly what God is calling us to do in our prayer life, that we would intervene. We would come to their aid. And the most important thing that we can do and the most powerful thing that we can do is to go to the Father on behalf of our brother or sister that is being assaulted in those very moments. I wanted to read, as we close, a, a passage in Nehemiah. You remember the story of Nehemiah bringing back a remnant after a, a number of years of, of being in a foreign land, and, and they were called to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the walls. And so in Nehemiah, the context was rebuilding the walls. And I wanted to read this passage about warfare in Nehemiah 4 and verses 13 and 14. This is what was happening. Nehemiah says, So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas, because there were enemies on the outside of, the, of, the, the, of Jerusalem, and the walls were still not fully built up. And he says, I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords and spears and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, listen to what he said, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. What a great speech. Nehemiah said two simple things. You remember the Lord. You get your eyes on Jesus. You get your eyes where they need to be and you fight for your family. And that is what God is calling us to in prayer. You see, in the dark times of life, when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist says that we should fear no evil, for the Lord is with us. And that's what we need to remember. In the dark times of life, Christ shines brighter. We can see nothing else a lot of times, but Jesus is the light of the world, and we can see Him. And so we look, and we turn our eyes to Him. We run to Him, and we trust Him, and we rest in His capable arms. Can you just take whatever you're going through right now, whatever the battle that you are facing right now, and instead of trying to do it on your own, once and for all, and then every moment of every day moving forward, you turn and you run constantly and persistently to the Lord. 
What are some of the results of our prayer time? Well, let me encourage you as we wrap it up. Here's some results. If you engage in in what we've just covered here in verse 18, if you commit to praying on a regular basis, number one, your eyes will get off of your own problems. Isn't that great? What a great promise. We start praying, you're going to be praying for other people and other situations, and then your problems won't appear as big as they once were. Number two, you'll be more concerned with others than yourselves. Number three, you'll remember that God is a promise-keeping God. Number four, our lives will be focused and dependent on the Lord. And that's so much of, of prayer in general is that it teaches us to trust the Lord. Just like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, he said, In our troubles of despairing, even of life, it taught us to rely on God, not ourselves. Number five, we won't be tossed back and forth by life's waves. Maybe you feel like you're on the roller coaster of life right now. Get off. You don't have to be on it. You don't have to be tossed to and fro. You can get your eyes back on the Lord. God will honor, be honored and glorified as we go with Him. And seven, we'll get to watch God do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine. Prayer does amazing, miraculous things. Are we willing to pray? Well, let's close our time in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can look to you, that we can trust you, that we can take this instruction and this command and that we would take up this powerful weapon of prayer. And Lord, I pray that in our weaknesses and in what we feel so t- sometimes that we're powerless, God, that we can do nothing, we can always get on our knees and pray. And so, Lord, help us as a, as a body to be people of prayer. Help us to care more about each other and to, to run to their aid. If we can't do it physically, that we would run to their aid by getting on our knees. Lord, help us to see the power of prayer and all the results of it. God, that we would see that you are a God that, that keeps your promises, and that you teach us to rely and to depend on you as we get on our knees. So we thank you for all these things. We pray that you would be honored, and we pray that we would see victories occurring because we are simply obeying you by talking to you and asking you to accomplish and to win the battle. And so we do pray for all of these things. We pray them in your son's precious name. Amen.